Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Have you ever received a love letter? Or maybe a greeting card or a long romantic text message from that very special someone in your life? I remember when I was dating Chris and I got one of those. I read it. <laughs> I read it again and I read it again. I just couldn't get enough of it. I mean, maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about. But you know, a love letter, a love letter you know what's great about it? It's a way to be able to see the heart and the love that a person has for another person. His name is Ron Mel. He's, he's an author. He's passed away, but, but he wrote this. And let me read this to you. He says, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments being described as a love letter? A tender, heartfelt message from the very hand of God? Perhaps not, yet I have become convinced it is one of the most powerful expressions of God's love in all of Scripture. The Ten Words. You know, in Exodus, it wasn't called the Ten Commandments. It was called the Ten Words in Hebrew. The Ten Words are all-encompassing. They're, they're touching virtually every aspect of our lives. The truth in the Ten Words when they're, when they're applied, they provide blessing and strength, a hope and a future. It provides unity and law and order, significance and purpose, fulfillment and peace. Some people, of course, they imagine the Ten Commandments to be something very opposite. They don't hear love. Instead, they hear the clanging of chains, the rattling of padlocks. They hear God saying, if you don't obey me, I will squish you like a bug. For some people, there can be this attitude of resentment towards the Ten Commandments. Instead of valuing and loving and embracing God's top ten, no, they, they actually can have an attitude of pure apathy towards something they view as lacking in relevance and significance for our modern-day church and our modern-day world. I mean, have you ever wondered about the background behind the Ten Commandments? I mean, why did God write them? Well, let's look a little bit at that. The Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. God brings the ten plagues. God parts the Red Sea. And they're able to go across dry land. And it's, it's crazy. Some scholars believe there were two million Hebrews who crossed the Red Sea. This was an amazing miracle. But now you've got all of the Hebrews on the other side. They've been slaves. 
They have no governance. There's no judicial system. There is no law. There's no order. They have the recipe for the wild, wild west on steroids. And so God calls Moses to come. And he says, take your shoes off. For this is holy ground. You see, the Ten Commandments are holy. They're holy. See, God knew they would need this. They would need to know how to govern. How to have law and order. How to treat God. And how to treat others around them. They would need ten words, ten words that would guide them in all of their relationships. It's with these ten that God would bring them all that they would need to have unity, to have significance, to have purpose and meaning and peace and hope. With the ten, they could... They could build a foundation that the newborn Hebrew nation would be able to build upon and it could go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. To think that the Ten Commandments, that they're just archaic, that they're irrelevant, insignificant for our modern times is to really miss the, the message and the heartbeat of God. It says in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now Jesus is part of the Trinity. Therefore, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are the same yesterday, today, and forever. This means... That God's top ten, that God's, God's ten words, that God's ten commandments, they are just as relevant and powerful and loving today as they were when God originally wrote them. Clearly, we're living in unprecedented, unconceivable times between this pandemic the amount of political tension, corruption, the division in our land, the radical groups that are burning Bibles in the streets. I know of one group that was threatening to go to a Bible college in Eugene, Oregon and burn down the cross. It's been there for over half a century. And it's sad to say, but we're coming up to nearly three months of nightly rebellion, riots and violence, the burning of property, destruction, disorder, death in Portland, Oregon. It's just disturbing that so much of the mainstream media either refuses to report on all the carnage in these metro cities across our nation, or they just refer to all the carnage as just being part of the protests. 
it's shocking to witness that some of our political leaders and educated media, that they say over and over that down is actually up and in is actually out. That evil is actually good and that good is actually evil. It reminds me of a saying or a story of sorts. It, it speaks about how your friend's dog lifts up its hind leg and then it urinates on your pant leg. And then your friend, well, so to be friend, quickly looks at you and says, oh, it's just raining right now. I mean, did you seriously just look me right in the eye and say that it's raining? So apparently, the problem of the rioting, the fires, the looting, the destruction, and murder is really not what you think it is. You just don't get it. You see, it's all your fault. You know it's all your fault because it's actually raining. The Bible says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. In the midst of all this rebellion, there is a remnant, a people of God who are willing to humble themselves. They're willing to seek God. They're willing to confess their sin. And God is responding. We're seeing examples all over the place. There in Huntington Beach, Orange County, California, there were thousands of people meeting at the pier and they were worshiping the Lord together. It was funny, they, they were approached by the, the law enforcement and they said, hey, hey, leave us alone, we're rioting for Jesus. We found the same thing was happening in San Diego. There's another group, another remnant up in Portland, Oregon. There are folks, people are meeting here, churches are meeting here in Lodi, California. Folks, they're meeting all over the United States. They're realizing it is time to go back to the fundamentals to give God our heart and to say, Jesus, change me. Jesus, take over. Save our nation. Only you can fix the division and the issues and the problems of this world. Well, you know, humanity has a way of always being so clevered by confusing evil with good. And that really is the problem when you look at Adam and Eve. And it's also, well, it's my problem, it's your problem. See, if evil, if rebellion was never ever made to appear good or right, there would have never been sin. Maybe you've noticed that with the advent of social media, 
came along this, well, this, this false sense of being able to hide, to be anonymous, and to be able to say whatever you want, whether truthful or not. Then came along this extreme self-righteousness, almost an elitism, this critical spirit. And we see it saturated all over the internet. And that attitude, well, it's kind of is described this way. It would say, a wrong deed is right if the majority of the people on social media declare that it's not wrong. How strange. Because I don't ever remember anybody ever bothering to ask to seek God what his thoughts are about man trying to create a brand new moral code where evil is good and good is evil. Folks, God hasn't changed. Remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, same yesterday, today, and forever. His standards have not lowered ever. God still calls immorality a sin. And I don't know if that bothers you or scares you, but it does me. God still says that the Ten Commandments are still relevant and are to be honored today and every day. You know, part of Satan's plan was to bring about, well, doubt and confusion and temptation. I remember how he spoke when we read the Scriptures, how Satan spoke to Eve. You know, he was saying, God knows that if you eat of this tree, you'll become just like God. I mean, you deserve better, Eve. God is is withholding what is, is better for you. God's lying, Eve. Satan, he's still using the same tactics today. On all of us. You know, speaking about the fall of man in the garden, in many ways, eating from the tree was an act of treason. Have you ever thought of it that way? Let's look at some other words, some synonyms for the word treason. Treachery. Treachery means betrayal of a trust. There's disloyalty. There's betrayal. There's faithlessness. There's duplicity. There's rebellion. I mean, treason is defined as the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or to overthrow the government. In the Garden of Eden, there was but one governmental law, one edict, only one. And that was made by the sovereign ruler of the Garden of Eden, God Himself. 
And he said, do not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. Let's remember the temptation that Satan used on Adam and on Eve. The idea that they could become their own ruler. To become just like God. Again, treason. Again, it's the idea, the the crime of betraying one's own country, the Garden of Eden, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or to overthrow the government. I mean, the end result of what Adam and Eve did meant that they were banished from the Garden of Eden, from the country. They experienced pain and suffering and banishment, things they had never, ever had experienced before. When, when we see acts of rebellion, like we see all over our nation on the TV, in big cities across our nation, where there's no desire to have a discussion, no desire to just reason together, where there is a purposeful attempt to overthrow the government by means of rebellion or violence or destruction of property, subversion or rioting, then what we have is a form of treason. And that's not peaceful protest. Unfortunately, right now, we as a nation are struggling to trust our political leaders. We're struggling to trust our media. We struggle to trust certain governmental agencies or our schools. And some are even struggling to trust God Himself. Why? Well, because we're being told by the people of authority, by people of influence, that right is wrong and that wrong is right if you've ever been in an earthquake <laughs> I have. if you're from california most likely you have too if you've ever been in an earthquake then you know what it's like to have what you have always known to be unmovable unshakable stable and and reliable and then in a moment without any warning what you've always known up to that point in your life is not true the earth moves it's more than just a a shock to your in, in a physical experience it literally impacts you at the level of your soul It's hard to reconcile all of that. Folks, that's what it's like for a nation of people who are being forced to determine who they can trust in authority and who they can rely on. As an example, some politicians are telling us all that the police are not to be trusted and that the police need to be defunded and removed. We have media outlets where, well, who are always, always to be politically neutral. And yet now, there's such a radical hatred for the current president who was duly elected. 
And they don't even attempt to cover up the bias. Much of the mainstream media is driven by, unfortunately, ideology. Even when they're caught falsifying a news report, there's no need to try to apologize and retract. Our judicial system is violating the very laws that they are to interpret and enforce. Some are even writing law from the bench. Academia has redefined its purpose from teaching students how to read, write, and do arithmetic to focusing on ideology, the focus on political correctness, even a sense of anti-Christian faith and anti-traditional marriage and family. Political social issues are more the norm. With this kind of a climate, Things have to become tense. Is there any wonder why there's so much division? So who do we trust? Who can we trust? Where can we go to get truth? Well, I have some good news. There is hope. There is truth. God can always be trusted. God doesn't lie. And God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. In athletics, if an athlete is struggling and things just aren't going right, you know, what does a good coach do when he sees that that athlete's been in a slump for quite some time? Yeah, you know what a good coach does. He says to that athlete, it is time to go back to the fundamentals. And they go to the very core basics of that sport. Why? It's an attempt to go back to the fundamentals so that which is critically missing in that athlete's game would now be found again. And when it's found again... There can be success. There can be victory for that athlete. Hey, church, that's us. We need to go back to the fundamentals as a nation, as a church, and say, God, we're missing something. We lost something. We didn't mean to, but but we need those, those critical fundamentals back in our life. Body, soul, in spirit. You know, that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. They're the fundamentals of our faith. If we live by the fundamentals of the Ten Words of God, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, there will be peace and hope and a future. I believe we all want to be able to trust our leaders again to trust our media, to trust our schools and the like. But as a nation, as a people, we need a strong foundation to build that trust on again. Where right is right and wrong is wrong. God is way ahead of us. God created what we needed for our nation to be able to move ahead. Have you ever noticed that the most profound solutions to a problem are sometimes just the most simplest 
But simple is not always easy. I believe our nation needs revival. That we need to go back to the fundamentals so we can be ready for when revival comes. You see, it's here in Exodus chapter 19 where where God is laying down the groundwork. God is establishing who He is, who He has been to His people. He's been a loving Father. Patient. So it reads in Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 and 4. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So let's consider how the people of the Bible, when this was written, when they would have heard these words, these verses, how they would have perceived it. It's very different to us all these thousands of years later. You see, the eagle represents speed and strength and security and and care. So let's look at that. Speed. That that first aspect of the image of the eagle would have been the idea of how fast an eagle could get from point A to point B. You see, they didn't have cars and jets and any other form of transportation except their own feet or running or an animal, a camel, a horse. But they would have had to go through the terrain and through the mountains and down the valleys. But not an eagle. By speed, it can go directly to where they needed to go, where they needed to be. And that's what God was doing. He was meeting their needs quickly without hesitation, no obstacles to slow him down. And then their strength. Well, it says in Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amazing. You see, we're not talking about the strength of a lion or a bear, but did you know that the golden eagle literally can carry almost twice its own body weight? That's strength. Well, then there's security. The idea, the imagery of an eagle and security, what does that mean? Well, there was no technology at that time that could bring down an eagle in flight. It was just way too high up in the sky. Its its nests were so high. It was very secure. It was very safe from other predators. It was smart. And then there's care. The image of an eagle caring for its eaglets. Oh, how it would bring food, and oh, how it would bring its, its wings. And if there was weather, if there was need, it would literally envelop all of its eaglets and protect. See, this is the imagery that God is using, saying that I am like that for you. I have provided speed. I have quickly come to your aid. I have been there in strength. I have been there with security. I have been there to care for you. And I won't stop. 
He's wanting them to know how much he loves them. So they would embrace Exodus chapter 20, his 10 words. That he's not demanding and a dictator. He's a loving father. He wants what's best for you, for your children, and your children's children. The Ten Commandments. You want to know what they're really about? They're about relationship. They're about, the first half is really about the relationship between you and God. How you're to treat God. How you're supposed to be. The the next half is all about you and how you're to treat other people. One another. It's all that we need. That's what life is all about. Loving God and loving others. So River Rock, before we begin to open up Exodus chapter 20, and we will do that next week, I want us to look at verse 10 and 11 of chapter 19. I want you to hear what God instructs Moses to do to his people. Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes. Be sure they are ready on the third day. For on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai and all the people watch. Now notice that before God gave the people ten words, or before He gave the Ten Commandments, that God told Moses to make sure to get the people ready to receive what God had for them. They better clean their clothes. I believe God doesn't want us necessarily to clean our clothes, which is a good idea, by the way. I think He wants us to clean those dirty, cluttered things in our hearts. That we would come to Him come to receive what these ten words are all about because we have prepared ourselves. We have consecrated ourselves. This week, you are challenged to consecrate yourself before God. To deal with that unconfessed sin. To get real with God. This was not just hey, let's have a moment with God, and hey, cool, we're done. No, 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 no. This was so serious because it would literally go from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation until Jesus comes again. So I want to encourage you this week to get your heart ready to receive from the Lord this week. To deal with that clutter in your soul. To deal with unconfessed sin. The Hebrews just wanted to wash their clothes. The Holy Spirit won't let that for you and me, guys. He wants us to consecrate our hearts. 
enough of just looking the part. He wants us to be the part. Folks, if our heart isn't consecrated, I mean, I could preach some great sermons and they won't penetrate. But if we consecrate our hearts and then we come to hear the Word, the ten words of a loving Father, folks, we could become ready for what I believe is the third great awakening, a time for revival. This series is going to require something out of you. A seriousness of purpose. An attitude that says, okay, Father God, let's do some deep soul searching in me. I want my life to be right according to your ten words and not according to the social media. I want to hear everything that you want me to hear so i challenge you that when you go to pray this week you say every day god what do you want me to see god what do you want me to hear god what do you want me to think what do you want me to feel god what do you want me to do father guide my heart so i could receive what these 10 loving words from a holy father are designed to be for me and watch watch how he changes each and every one of us well father god i know these fundamentals is what's going to change not only us individually not only us as a church but god us as a nation but it's going to require us getting serious and practicing this kind of faith every day in the presence of the Lord, right there in our homes, right there on the side of our bed. Oh God, meet us as we operate by faith, saying, save our nation. Come, Holy Spirit, bring revival. We pray, Father, Your will. We pray Your way. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.